Hello and welcome to The Word Opened with me, Bramwell, from Holness Ministries. This is a weekly podcast opening God's Word, going through verse by verse and looking at what God's Word, the Bible, says. So over the last few weeks, we have been focusing on Acts 7. Here, Stephen's preach to the temple court. And we've been looking at this overall and breaking it down. And today we come to yeah, looking at what happens after that. What happens, you the reaction to Stephen. You know, whenever we give a preach, then there needs to be a reaction of some sort. And the reaction can be in a number of ways. We can either have the reaction of conviction... And so people are convicted that the Holy Spirit convicts people about what God has spoken. Or there can be anger. Or there can be just like plaza attitude. Like, yep, that was a nice sermon, but... And this is something that... It's one of those things that you in my past where, as I've stood at church doors after preaching and shaking people's hand, and as people go out, or even even afterwards, they've come and they've said, "Oh, yeah, nice sermon, nice preach." I mean, you look back and you go, well, "What does that mean?" And actually, now I've come to the place where somebody says that to me. It's like, well, what did you get from it? Yeah, because what really and truly should be coming out is a penetration to the heart of either confirmation or looking to transform, looking to move more, to become more in his glory. In fact, I would say it's probably the latter that there should be. And so... Today, as we look at the end of Acts 7, we're going to look at you. what was the reaction to what Stephen had said. Remember, he is against, he's speaking against, he's speaking to the temple court. Those who have very clearly spoken before about not preaching Jesus. Yeah, the last time we saw the temple court was with the apostles after they had been arrested and that was the whole situation with Gamala in uh, Acts 5 and where we get you the apostles are then beaten and they're then commanded not to speak the name of Jesus anymore and then what happens after that well we have this whole situation where there's almost like the potential of big division within the within the church, within the early church, with the whole situations with the widows um, being neglected, the Hellenist widows being neglected, and that's where you, the apostles then come up with this whole thing of okay, let's let's bring other people into this, other people to come into the ministry, and that's where Stephen then comes into their ministry into the ministry of, D, of of serving the tables 
you know, serving people. The whole idea of deaconship appears. And then we have this situation where Stephen gets arrested and brought to the temple. And so we're just going to go through Acts 7 again. We're going to read it through to give us you know, just a reminder of what he's actually spoken in the temple. And then we'll look at the end of Acts 7 at you know, the, the, what actually is the repercussions for him. So we're going to pick it up. In Acts 7 verse 2, this is Stephen's preach. But before we do, let's just spend a moment in prayer. Father, we, we just come to you now. And we ask that today, as we listen to this, that we will be equipped, we will be challenged, that you will speak directly to each listener. That each listener will hear your voice will feel your conviction, will know your conviction. And that after this teaching, that he, each listener will go away convicted and knowing more of who you are, but more of their place in your calling. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts 7 verse 2. And he, that Stephen, said, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran, and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. And he came out of the land and the ch of the children's and dwelt in Haran. From there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them four hundred years. The nation to whom they will be in bondage I will judge, said God, and after that, they shall come out and serve me in this place. Then he gave them the, him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs became envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favour and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all of his house. Now a famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers found no sustenance. And when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And the second time Joseph was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and called his fa father Jacob and his relatives to him, seventy-five people. So Jacob went down to Egypt, and he died, he and his fathers. They were carried back to Shechem, and laid in the tomb that Abraham brought for a sum of money from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. 
But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dwelt treacherously with our people, and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time Moses was born and was well pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as his own son. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now when he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. The next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? And at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when forty years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. And the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge, is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness forty years. This is that Moses who said to the child, children of Israel, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey but rejected, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us, as for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Molech and the star of your god Rephan, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favour before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. 
but Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. They cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen, as he was calling on God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What a testimony. He, Stephen speaks directly into the hearts of the temple court. He speaks directly into the hearts of the temple court. He, he, we've talked over the last few weeks about how, first off, he identifies himself with the temple court. He's a Jew. He's been brought up a Jew. He's followed Jewish traditions. Yeah, he's got the same family heritage in regards to Abraham and Moses, and he goes through all of that. He 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 makes himself very clear. But there's a difference. And the difference is that Stephen recognizes who Jesus is. He recognizes who Jesus is. And towards the end of his preach, he makes that very, very clear. He makes it very clear that Jesus is the Messiah. And that this group of people are betrayers, are murderers. They've killed, as he says, killed the just one. They've killed God's son. And Stephen uses language that God used. Verse 51, you stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You know, the language of God that we've seen and we talked about last week. And then we come to verse 54. The end of Stephen's preach. The end of making it clear where he stands. And the temple court 
a cut to the heart. We've seen this term used before in Acts 5 verse 33. This is when the, the apostles are, are arrested and then we have the whole thing we mentioned it earlier on we had Gamaliel's advice the temple court are cut to the heart if we look at Acts 5 verse 33 it says and when they heard this they were furious and plotted to kill them it's the same phrase as is used here in Acts 7 the translation in Acts 5 is they were furious that's what this whole thing had been cut to the heart is talking about they were angry they were angry at what they had just heard but they were more angry that they had just been accused of murder been accused of not recognizing who Jesus truly was and they gnashed their teeth gnashing teeth means they grate their teeth in pain or rage they are that angry that they start to grind their teeth together that's the anger that appears you and just as we think about that anger you know there's a there's a difference between the righteous anger which we see of jesus in the temple court when he overturns the money tables yeah the righteous anger of being right standing with god right standing with the heavenly father we're right standing before the heavenly father and we're angry because of what is happening towards our heavenly father towards god there's that anger and then there's this anger which leads to the murder of Stephen I don't know about you but anger can be a real issue in people's lives using the whole thing of righteous anger is not an excuse you really need to check the heart check the heart of where is your anger directed why is it directed your yeah, anger should be directed because of frustration of people that are demonstrating stuff against God in fact, it, I would even go as far as saying it's potentially not even anger, but it's upset. But the manifestation comes out of like anger. When Jesus overturns the money tables, he overturns the money tables because of what they are doing towards their Heavenly Father. Whereas what we see here is an anger directed towards a person directed towards Stephen I said before that a manifestation when we preach there are a number of outcomes that 
you that are there. One of them can be anger. That somebody is so angry with what has been preached. Not because it's transformed them. Because they don't like what has been said. And it grinds with their heart. Where their heart is saying, you love the sin. Bible tells us that there are those that love sin. Here, if we look in John 3, verse 19, the passage reads, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Men love the darkness, love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. The word deeds in the Greek translates as business, employment, that which anyone is occupied. You know, their business was evil. Their focus, if you like, if we're you know, transcribing into another word, is evil. This is where the temple court was focusing. And the evil was the fact that they believed that they were more important. That they were in charge. They believed that they had all the authority. But of course over years as well that yeah, the temple the court had been implementing other things to protect themselves. And so everything that Stephen had been saying cut to their heart. He didn't even talk about you know, the stuff that they had put in place that you know, was, was of man and was of them. But he called them murderers. He called them stiff neck and uncircumcised. That was, that was an insult. They had just been insulted within the flesh. But the thing is that Stephen, and he picks it up in verse 55, is full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. It's a comment that's been used before. He's right standing. And being full of the Holy Spirit then leads to that next bit where he gazes into heaven and sees the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And he says, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. <laughs> As if he hadn't upset them any uh, enough, he then says this. The thing is that... He's speaking truth. Heaven has opened to him. We don't know, but there's potentially the point that he knew what was about to happen to him through this. Because he had a revelation of heaven and wasn't afraid 
to show it. But what he sees is Jesus standing. Here we see a lot of passages in the Bible where it says about Jesus is seated on the throne. But here we see Jesus standing. Why would Jesus be standing? Except because he's ready to receive Stephen. He's ready to receive Stephen into heaven. But more than just that, he is ready to receive the first martyr. Stephen, as far as we're aware, biblically is the first martyr. He's the first one who has witnessed about Christ and is killed for that reason. Jesus stands to receive. He stands to receive his followers, the believers, his family. He stands to receive. We often hear this whole thing of, oh, I want to hear God say to me when I get there, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes, I agree. But you know what? I'd love to see Jesus stand to receive me. Not because of anything to do with, with me, but if I see Jesus standing to receive me into the heavens, I know that I've done a faithful work. There's an action there that speaks more than words. And when time comes, do you have that heart's desire to see the Lord Jesus Christ receive you? Do you want Jesus to receive you into heaven? Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Is it focused totally on him, of doing the work for him, of him? Remember, we are left on this earth to do his work. When we come into relationship with Jesus, we then are not just called into family. We're then not just given a position within a family and know that we are in a family of God, but we're actually brought into a position of going and doing work for him. We're not saved by our works because we're already saved. But our works then demonstrate who we are. Do your works demonstrate who you truly are? Because with Stephen, they demonstrate who he truly is. He has been seen as righteous. He's seen as full of the Holy Spirit. He has been selected to serve tables by the apostles. He's been selected as people have brought his name forward and been asked to serve tables. He's done that role. And within that role, he's then been talking about Jesus and doing various things, which then has brought him to the attention of the temple court. 
the temple court then have him arrested and he then doesn't stop he keeps going he preaches Jesus to the temple he doesn't stop no matter what the circumstances are he stays faithful he stays serving the Lord Jesus Christ and in that serving we then have this situation for him his works keep going no matter what the consequences are why because he knows the truth the truth of who Jesus is and for you you I think this is something that we need to really challenge are we a lukewarm Christian this is something that you know, appears in revelations are we a lukewarm Christian are we lukewarm are we just sitting and 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 doing the the bits that we need to do the bits that we go yeah I can I can do that bit or are we true to the cause are we true to the cause where we will speak the truth no matter what the consequences are we will speak the truth we live in a darkened world there are those as we read earlier from John 3 that love the darkness they will continue walking in the darkness but that's no excuse for those walking in the light or supposedly walking in the light to not speak to not speak into those lives remember the Holy Spirit does the convicting the question is are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to use you there is a day and a time where things need to stop and are you speaking truth yeah somebody who is full of addiction somebody who is constantly chasing money somebody who is constantly yeah, focused on themselves they're selfish they're prideful they're arrogant they're yeah, sleeping with their you know, unmarried uh, partner they're sleeping with other people's partners you these are the things do we just allow that to carry on you know the world does the world thinks it's all okay to carry on like that it's not okay in God's eyes it's not okay these are things that will not get people into the kingdom of heaven and it's time to stop and it's time for true followers true worshippers to step up and to speak truth the time is now if you're hearing this message the time is now you need to get out and speak truth you need to get out and start walking the walk of Jesus when Jesus came his mission was to bring the kingdom of heaven to show the kingdom of heaven he, his death and resurrection was all pointing towards the kingdom of heaven your life should be a manifestation of the kingdom of heaven if you don't understand what the kingdom of heaven is then I would encourage you to go back to episodes I think it's four and five which 
were looking at the kingdom of heaven. We had a two-parter from you know, when we were focusing on Acts 1 verse 3. Uh, the dates of those, if you're not sure, are the 27th of the 1st, uh, 2023, and the 3rd of February 2023. They were focusing on the kingdom of heaven and, and just giving a, an overview of what the kingdom of heaven is. We're to walk that. We're to walk out the kingdom of heaven on this earth because that's what Jesus came to do. If people don't know what the kingdom of heaven is, they don't know what they are coming into. They don't know what you know, the being a citizen of heaven is. Do you know, this is the other thing. We talk so much about the gospel and what Jesus did for us, and we need to do that. But we don't preach the kingdom of heaven. We don't preach what the kingdom of heaven is like. We don't preach that when you are saved, you become a citizen of heaven heaven we don't preach the fact on the streets that the kingdom of heaven is at hand you can change your citizenship you're no longer a citizen of this world but you are a citizen of heaven we don't preach any of that here we preach the gospel christ died for your sins great he did but so what what does that mean? The life that you are living, the life that you are in, we focus on people's sin in terms of adultery and sexual immorality and drugs and alcohol, drunkenness. Here we focus on those things and we miss, we miss the fact that you are a citizen of the world and the world is under the prince of darkness the prince of the air the devil you're in allegiance with the devil if you are not in the kingdom of heaven if you don't know who jesus is you don't know who your lord and master is then you are walking in the darkness and the devil will use all sorts of tactics to bring this we need to speak this out. We are, if you are hearing this, I'm going to say it again. If you are hearing this today, you are being chosen. You are having a word to say it's time. Your time is now. Speak truth. Speak the kingdom of heaven. Speak and act. Manifest. And if you are struggling with that, Get on your knees and pray and ask him to help you. Holy Spirit, just like with Stephen. Just like we've seen with other apostles. It's time. Holy Spirit, give us boldness. Give us boldness to not water anything down, but to speak truth. The time is now. And just as Stephen spoke truth, we are to speak truth and be direct to those that are walking in the darkness. And what happens after this? You, th th what we see here is a clear indication of how we're to live our lives. 
knowing the consequences. When we come to Christ, when we walk in the light, we're going to face evil. We're going to face things that we wouldn't want to face. But with Christ, we can face anything because we know where we're going. Acts 7 verse 57 says that then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. What Stephen had done and said had affected them so much. These are grown men. Grown men and they could not face this anymore. So what did they do? They cried out with a loud voice. They covered their ears and they ran at him. They couldn't handle the revelation of Jesus anymore. They couldn't handle what was being spoken to them about anymore. And they ran at him. They took hold of him. They took him. They cast him out of the city. And they stoned him. They did what was in line with the Jewish law. Because if someone was heard to be speaking against the law. And there were two or three witnesses. Then they were to be put to death. Now Stephen has... You know, the, the, the original accusation remember going back to the original accusation that was said if we look back in acts 6 yeah you know, acts 6 verse 13 they also set up false witnesses who said this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law for we have heard him say that this jesus of nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which moses delivered to us that's the original allegation. Stephen's then come to them and he's spoken boldly. He's spoken clearly. He's identified with them. He's brought all of those things together. And then he's called them murderers. He's called them betrayers. And so they take him out of the city and stone him. And it's interesting that it says then that the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young, name, young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God. Do you, the reason for taking him out of the city is because when he was dead, he would have to be moved. And moving a dead person would mean then that they were impure. That there was impurity because they had touched a dead person. And this was something that couldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. So they took them out of the city and stoned people so that then they could be left. They didn't need to be moved and no one needed to become impure so we then have this first introduction of Saul 
And we're going to see, as we go through future passages in Acts, what happens with Saul. But he is the supervisor of this operation. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, of the temple court. He's a prolific man. Yeah, he's a young man at this point. But this is his foundation. And his foundation is what he sees here in front of him. And he's been given an elevation of a position to supervise this operation. Yeah, we've talked many times before that our foundation is where we are. Our foundation is what makes us. The question is, is where is your foundation? Where is your foundation? Now I pray, Lord, today, as people listen to this, that their foundations will become clear. That they will know where their foundations are. They will know the truth of their foundations. They will know exactly who they are. Lord, and the foundations of the world, the foundations of darkness, in the name of Jesus, we pray today that those foundations are broken off. That anything, any chains from those foundations, any bondages from those foundations today are broken off in the name of Jesus. We speak truth and we speak life. Lord Jesus, bring life. Bring life into people's lives today. It's amazing. It is truly amazing that what then happens with Stephen is just beyond anything of this world. But we see a link to Christ on the cross. Because as Stephen is stoned, he calls on God and says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Jesus on the cross called upon the Heavenly Father. Into your hands I commit my spirit. It's not that Stephen is making himself Christ. It's far from that. Stephen is saying, my spirit is yours. Receive it. That's a position again that we should be walking in. We talked about you know, how we should be walking. We should know that our spirit is not ours anymore. We should know that our life is not ours anymore. That we commit it to him. And then he says in a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. He calls upon Jesus to receive his spirit and then he says, receive, you know, do not charge them with this sin. When somebody does something wrong against us, don't take revenge personally, but let God deal with it. Let God deal with the sin. Don't take up the offense. 
but give everything to Jesus. Why did Stephen have this, you know, this reaction with them when the apostles didn't in Acts 5? We have no idea, but God knows. But we need to look at the bigger picture and see what then happens afterwards. And we're going to be digging into that more next week as we start to look at what happens you know, to the early church following this. Because the consequences of Stephen's death are huge. It's huge for the church, but it's huge for the spreading of the gospel. And God knows what's best for his plan. It's not our plan. And this is what Stephen again sort of recognizes that as he says about giving his spirit, you know, asking Jesus to receive his spirit. Remember, he sees Jesus standing. This is the thing God knows best. And we need to recognize that no matter what we are going through, no matter what our circumstances are. We need to know that he knows best. This is not about us. This is about him. It's all for his glory. He will use everything for his glory. And through Stephen's death, we're going to see that. We're going to see his glory. We're going to see his plan, the bigger plan, come together. We need to walk being prepared to lay down our life for the cause. And the cause is the biggest plan. It's his cause. It's his will. The question is, are you prepared for that? Are you prepared to lay down your life for the cause, for his will? Are you prepared to walk in his will and not your will? Father, I commit all of this to you. And as we come to the end of our time together, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you have encouraged hearts, but you have challenged hearts as well, that you've challenged minds. This is no longer us, but this is you, that we commit our lives to you, to walk in you, with you, in your will, to bring your kingdom to walk your kingdom, to manifest your kingdom, and to speak light into the darkness. May this be the day that we do just that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Everything in the Bible is there for a reason. It's God-inspired word. And as that reason, we need to look at why this passage is in here. And the only reason that everything is in is to bring us on that journey of Christ, to, to bring us to that position of being in Christ and to see the kingdom of heaven and to be used by him. And so reflect on this passage. Spend time reflecting on this passage to the point of saying, what is it you want me to learn, Lord, in this? Learn from him. Allow God to speak to you through this passage. Weigh up the words that have been spoken through this time together.
because it is only the Holy Spirit that can convict you and that can show you. It's not man. It's God. And God has a message for you right now. In this time. I bless you. I pray for you. I pray that over the, the coming week that you will hear his voice, hear his direction, and your heart will be aligned with his will. Until next week, God bless you, stay safe, stay protected, and may you know that you are loved. God bless.